right to Lane and jams it down. Taking you behind the scenes and inside the locker room. You're listening to The Raptors Beat with Josh Lewinberg and Nikki Reyes on TSN 1050. The Raptors live here. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Raptors Beat. Josh and Nikki here with you for the final show of the regular season. Josh, it feels weird just saying that. I feel like since the All-Star break, the second half of the year has just been a dizzying whirlwind. But here we are, the Raptors with just three regular season games left. We already know that they're going to be in the playoffs they made no mistake. They didn't cheat themselves and just try to sneak in by getting into the play-in. Nope, they are in the top six. Um, play-in for what? So, play-in for what? The, the, obviously, the benefits of being in the playoffs are just so overwhelming for so many reasons. For each player, for the organization, for the city, we can go on and on and on. But... You said it, play in for what? What do you think is the biggest benefit of them having to avoid the entire play-in scenario? Well, the thing that Nick Nurse talks about most often is getting this young team in a playoff series, getting them reps in that kind of environment. And I agree with that. Like, I think that that's going to be huge, whatever the series ends up looking like, whether... Whether you get swept or whether you go seven and lose, whether you win the series, like either way, that's a valuable experience. I know people are like, okay, well, you, you, you need to go on a run, but like, I, I mean, look at, look at those Raptors teams that have had bad runs or rough, like runs through the playoffs. Like all of that contributed to eventually what they grew into. So I just think like what, whatever the playoffs ends up having in, in store for this team, however they, However they respond and react, and we don't know, like, this is a very young team. In some cases, guys that haven't been in the playoffs. We haven't seen Gary Trent in the playoffs with the Raptors. Scotty Barnes, his first postseason run uh, for Van Vliet and and Siakam. These are guys that are going to be in a a new role for this team um, in in the playoffs. So I'm not sure what to expect, but I think to to Nurse's point, whatever happens, it's going to be valuable experience. But in terms of avoiding the play-in, I mean, it was a good example the other night in that really tough game against Atlanta of how difficult it would be to be in a win-or-go-home type of scenario where you have two chances to squeeze your way into the playoffs against some really good teams. Atlanta is tough. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Charlotte is tough. And then nobody, of course, wants to see the Brooklyn Nets. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a benefit there. And and then maybe the biggest one for me is – the rest, the fact that they've gotten this done early, you have three regular season games that you can manage however you want to manage now if you're Nick Nurse. I imagine the Raptors will be doing a lot of load management here over the next <laughs> five days or so. But also, there, there are six days, because of that play-in tournament, there are six days between the final regular season game for the Raptors in New York on Sunday and game one of the first round, which will likely be on the 16th. So... Yeah, I mean, Fred Van Vliet, we know he's been dealing with the knee issue. If you decide not to play him at all in these final three games, he could have as much as 10 days off before the playoffs start. So that could be huge. OG Ananobi, get some rest for him and and that thigh injury going into the playoffs. A few of the other guys are banged up as well. So I I think that's huge. And um, 
obviously a huge benefit compared to having to scrap and fight your way into the playoffs via the play-in tournament. It's one of the reasons why Fred said that he made the decision ultimately to play through that injury over the last few weeks, trying to essentially just power through and and clinch a playoff spot so that they know they have this extra time to work with. Yeah, absolutely. And good on him. And that is a true leader in sacrificing his body to make that happen. And you mentioned OG Ananobi and his thigh contusion that has kept him out the last couple of games. So these last three, do you anticipate seeing him at all to kind of maybe build a a rhythm? Or if you were a nurse, would you just let him sit out and completely heal himself? You know, we talk about OG and, and these these injuries that just seem to plague him or hamper him and his growth and development. So what would you do in these last three games with OG? Yeah, I mean, and we could include Fred in this discussion as well because I think there's a very good argument for, for sitting both of them out in, in all three of these yeah, games. Fred, I, I think yeah. the, o- the only reason to argue in the other direction might be just to, like, get – a rhythm game in there before the playoffs for both of them. So like maybe you throw them into one of these games. Maybe it's New York. Maybe it's tonight. But I think I would lean more in the direction of giving them all three games off. And I think we probably see a rest night or two for Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent, maybe even Scotty Barnes. Like I, I really think you're at that point of the season where, yeah, I mean, you're, you're fighting for the fifth seed. I believe the magic number is two, any combination of two Raptors wins or Chicago losses. The Bulls only have two games left. The Raptors, of course, have three. So you can control your destiny in that regard. I just don't think it matters. And this segues into our conversation about potential first-round matchups. I'm not sure it matters that much to the Raptors. Like, all three of the teams that are the likely teams that the Raptors could see in the first round are really tough. I'm not sure that there's a strong preference there in any direction, which means I don't know that there's a strong preference to finishing in fifth or sixth. I think the biggest priority right now for the Raptors by far is to go into the playoffs as healthy as possible. So, yeah, I mean, and of the back-to-back here, tonight against Philly, tomorrow against Houston, what's interesting to me is like a lot of people have sort of identified tomorrow's game against Houston as the load management night. Maybe it's tonight. Do you do you want, if you're the Raptors, first of all, if you're Nick Nurse, you probably don't want to show everything to Philadelphia if you end up seeing them in the playoffs. But also, like, do, do you want to win this game that badly? Maybe this is the game where the Raptors say, all right, let's 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 get some rest for these guys. I hear what you're saying, but the argument could be made that you want to test yourself against a Philly and see, you know, what you can do with them and what needs to be adjusted should you meet them in the first round of the playoffs. Um, you're not going to obviously, again, show all your cards, as you said, or, or empty the tank. But between Houston and New York, I would choose the last two to sit my guys, uh, especially because New York is an away game. But we know how the Raptors <laughs> like to play up against better teams. And then, you know, they've, they've fallen to some of the bad teams uh, this season to their detriment. But you're right. These last three games are, you know, Fifth seed, sixth seed, does it really matter? I, I guess it depends on who you want to face. If you ask them, they're going to say, we don't care who we face. We're just, you know, we have to worry about ourselves. But let's worry about who they would have to face in the first round between Boston and <laughs> I mean, they say that every year, but I actually yeah. maybe believe them this year. I don't, I don't think there's really they're a team that stands out money. there. Yeah, well, I, I think well, there's that. to lose. Yeah. Right? They have nothing to lose. As you said, like they, a month ago, Josh, 
they weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs. Like they, it, it seemed as if it was playing maybe, uh, but here they are now. And, and so they're, they're feeling really good about themselves. But when I look at Boston, that's a team that scares me. Okay. Assuming the vaccination status between Boston and Philly. Listen, I don't want to speculate because there's so many rumors of who is and who isn't and who wouldn't be able to travel here. Obviously, but it's a huge factor. It's a huge factor. Huge. If you're talking about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown not being able to come, and who who was it? Tyrese Maxey or Thibault? Uh, Thibault. Thibault. Okay, for Philly, who wouldn't be? Yeah, obviously those are big question marks. But with all that being said, who would you want them to see in the first round between Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly? Yeah, K- Kate and I talked about this last week, and we both sort of settled on Philadelphia yeah. Reluctantly, like I, we, we, we ranked the four <laughs> teams at the time it was four because Miami seemed like a possibility. It's they still are, but not a likely one. Um, we, we settled on Philly. I didn't feel great about it. And, and I did say I'm going to go back and forth probably a, a hundred times between now and when the playoffs start. I just think, like I said, in, in all three series, the Raptors would be heavy underdogs. Um, and that's not even like people aren't respecting the Raptors or no, like th- those three teams are really, really good. They'd be a favorite for, for a reason. Um, but when the Raptors are healthy and especially when they're playing well, even when they're not healthy, we've seen them hang with every team in the league, including at points, Philadelphia, Milwaukee and Boston. So I believe that they can hang with those teams, compete with those teams, and if everything breaks the right way, I could see a scenario, unlikely as it is, that they could upset any of those teams. I settled on Philadelphia because of this. I think, listen, Philadelphia is really, really dangerous. What scares you most in the playoffs with any team is star power, and they've got a lot of it in Embiid and Harden alone. Mm -hmm. Um, So if those two figure things out, that's a really dangerous team, and I could see them not only beating the Raptors handily in, in that scenario, but also going on a, a serious run through the playoffs. But on the other end, I also think their uh, potential for implosion, if those two aren't on the same page, and if, I mean, Embiid has struggled against the Raptors, and Harden has struggled in the playoffs, they don't have a ton of depth. The Thibault yeah. situation, because let's talk about that. Um he, he is not eligible to play in Toronto tonight. We're presuming that that's because of his vaccination status. And presumably, that would mean that he wouldn't be available in games three, four, and potentially a game six in a, in a possible series against the Raptors. It's possible that he could have gotten vaccinated a couple of weeks ago and they're just waiting on second yeah. dose or whatever like it, it, we, we don't know so speculating does seem a little bit silly but it, it, it it's a, it's a big factor if Jalen Brown couldn't play with Boston in, in a series against the Raptors that's a big factor and, and the Boston situation is even stranger because they wouldn't confirm that they're a fully vaccinated team they haven't said they they are they haven't said they have they've been really cryptic about it we what know did that Jalen Brown Bra- say his, his yeah, so was so I, ridiculous. I, I've got the I've got the quote in front of me because Please. Jason Tate Jason Tatum has said that he is vaccinated. Of course, he wasn't in Toronto when when Boston visited a couple weeks ago. It's hard to know what the situation was with Tatum Brown and Horford specifically, who didn't make the trip because it was the second night of a back to back. But Tatum has said he's vaccinated. Horford little bit more cryptic in his answer, but he did say that he would be available in a series against the Raptors to play in Toronto. 
Jalen Brown said the other day, last year I missed the playoffs. This year, from a competitive standpoint, I'm excited and ready to play against anybody. As a VP of the Players Association, it's part of my job to respect privacy. You won't hear me comment. So I'm sorry that I just wasted 20 seconds of your time because <laughs> <laughs> we, we got nothing from that. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. I'm asking about you, bro, not about everybody else's vaccination status. But The vaccination yeah. status, like th- that's the wild card here. If you told me Jalen Brown wouldn't be available in a series against the Raptors for three of, of a potential seven games, maybe I'm taking Boston. But, yeah, I mean, Philly not having their best perimeter defender in a series, three of the seven games in a series against Toronto, uh, yeah, I mean, I, so I, I think it, overall – Philly probably seems like the best bet of the three. I, I'm I'm afraid of Milwaukee. I wouldn't want Milwaukee. Yeah, no, no, of course not. The defending champs, they can turn it on at any point. Giannis, absolute domination at any point. I'm with you. Philly, yes. I think, I, if, if my math is right, Boston has, if they wanted to do the one shot of the Johnson Johnson, they have until the 8th. If you do, if you see the days where the playoffs begin. So it's not impossible. Again, speculating on the vaccination status is just mind-numbing. Um, but this is what we do. This is talk radio. But you're right. I would go yes. to Philly all day just because of just because of James Harden. Um, and the Philly is they're six and five, six and five against teams that are over 500 uh, with Harden. And three of those wins have come against the Cavs. So take that for what it's worth. Um, I would take Toronto in a seven game series uh, any day. OK, moving forward, we, we were talking about um, just about the Cavs here and I'm going to spin it try to transition when we talk about rookie of the year and and Scotty Barnes I know it's maybe it's recency bias because and it's also where we cover him and we see him every day night in and night out but that game against Atlanta I'm looking at my timeline and people who actually do have a vote and people who do have a say in rookie of the year and a lot of them are saying the same thing like I think you know, Scotty's going to get my vote. Scotty's making it really hard for me to decide now who I'm going to vote for. And so it's not just, you know, us having the conversation. It, it is a legit conversation. Um, let's let's hear from Wesley Chang, who is our expert betting and fantasy analyst of TSN Edge, uh, on uh, where the odds are between Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley in the Rookie of the Year race. Less than a month ago, Evan Mobley was an overwhelming favorite to win the Rookie of the Year award at minus 600. Cleveland was cruising to a top six spot in the East and Mobley was playing a pivotal role in their success. However, the Cavs have stumbled since, while Scotty Barnes and the Raptors have surged, making the Rookie of the Year conversation that much more dramatic entering the final stretch. FanDuel had Mobley's odds set at minus 250 ahead of Tuesday's slate. Well, Mobley missed their game while Scotty had the quietest 19.14 rebound double-double in Toronto's win. Now, Scotty's odds have dropped even lower after that performance, so don't be surprised to see them land closer to a coin flip by season's end. Oh, the drama. Okay, shout out Wesley Chang, who always comes in the clutch for us, and he's such a great follow, so please... uh follow his work um so evan mobley has missed the last five games for the cleveland cavaliers as he deals with injury uh and they're not doing well uh without him obviously but josh okay what is your case for scotty barnes stealing this if you will from evan mobley 
Well, that's just it. Is I, I think he's he's stealing it. Like these last few weeks, few months, he's made a a serious run at this. And, and listen, it, it's really really close. I think Evan Mobley was the rookie of the year for the first half of the season. I think Scotty Barnes is the rookie of the year for the second half of the season. But if we're going to weigh the importance, first half, second half, I know, I think what's working against Scotty here is in the mind of a lot of voters, I think a lot of people had their mindset on this back like yeah. a month ago that this was Evan Mobley's award. So it comes down to, as you mentioned, like how willing are people to change their minds here? In some cases, they might be. In some cases, they might not be. But here's my argument for why the second half should be weighted more heavily than the first half. I mean, yep. if you're just voting on the the rookie that's putting up numbers, it would be Cade Cunningham anyway. The reason why it's likely going to be Barnes versus Mobley is because we're weighing in contribution to winning, impact on, on winning teams. And to contribute here during the stretch run during a time of the year that's crucially important it's the reason why the Raptors have leapfrogged Cleveland in the standings is because of this run that they've been on over the last few weeks Barnes's contributions during this stretch I would argue are more important than Mobley's contributions earlier in the season beyond that this is just a much tougher time for any player but especially a rookie to be contributing at a really high level the rookie yeah. wall is a really is a is a real thing and these guys have never played this many minutes before never played this many games before in most cases in the case of Mobley we've seen some drop off in the case of Scotty like he's playing better than he has all season long so i think that's a credit to him uh, on top of all of that like the the biggest argument for him all season long has been everything that he's doing on both ends of the floor, the versatility. He's played all five positions. He started at all five positions. He's defending all five positions. It's not something you see very often with any player in the league. It's basically unprecedented for a rookie to be doing everything, to be asked to do everything that he's been asked to do this season. The argument Against him, I guess, for Mobley, the biggest thing has been defense, right? Like Mobley's contribution and impact yeah. to the Cavs' much improved defense this year. But I will point out, the Cavs, while they were fourth in defense before Jared Allen went down, they've been 22nd in defense since Jared Allen got hurt. So how much credit are we giving to Jared Allen here? Probably not enough if we're, if yeah. we're crediting... Evan Mobley for the defensive turnaround with, with Cleveland. So my, my vote, I don't have a vote, but my vote would be for <laughs> Scotty Burns. I hear you. It's close, I hear, though. It, it is really close. And But I hear what you're saying on the impact on winning, uh, crunch time when it matters most. It's easy to rack up, you know, all the, the numbers and, and all the shiny stats at the beginning of the year when teams don't really know you and they, they're still trying to get to know your game and all those things. But when it matters most, I think um, that's what matters to me. But you're right. I don't have a vote either. So it doesn't really matter. But speaking of the Cavs and their improvement, not just because of their rookie, um, JB Bickerstaff is getting a nod or nods for coach of the year. And I say, let's, let's quickly go through this, but should Nick nurse be in the conversation? Should he be getting some love for coach of the year when you consider everything that they went through last season and to be back in the playoffs I find it 
just shocking that his name isn't even in the conversation. And I'm trying not to get butthurt about it because I feel like we always fall back on the, oh, Toronto doesn't get love. Raptors don't get any love. But I kind of feel like that's what it is. Like Nick Nurse isn't even in the conversation. Should he be getting some acknowledgement for Coach of the Year? I'm surprised that he's not like you, but I, like I don't, I don't think that this is a Raptors thing. Nick Nurse has won Coach of the Year. He's gotten that recognition before, so it's not like, okay, well, he, he coaches the Raptors, so that's why he's not getting any love. He's gotten love. I'm not sure why he's not getting it now when you consider what the expectations of this Raptors team were going into the season, what they've yeah. accomplished, and how they've accomplished it too, right? Because I think context matters here as well is this is a really unorthodox roster. I'm not sure how many coaches in the NBA yep. would be lining up to coach a team that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent here. There's versatility. There's length. Th there's potential here to do a lot of fun and interesting things, which is what's ended up happening, but there's very little shooting on the floor, no traditional center, very little guard depth on this team, and Nurse has found a way to make it work. He's been innovative. This has sort of been the perfect roster for him in a lot of ways, just given his style of coaching and the fact that he likes to try different things. They've overcome injuries, the COVID outbreak in the middle of the season, um, I, I just think if we're, if we're giving Scotty Barnes credit, we're giving Pascal Siakam credit, and, and hopefully he gets that credit with an all NBA nod. Fred Van Vliet was an all star. There's a lot of credit to go around, but Nick Nurse deserves it. And I'm like, I'm looking at the odds here and like, yeah, there, there are a lot of, Monty Williams should win this award. He had a, a, a really strong case to win it last year as well. Spo, Taylor Jenkins, of course, I you mentioned Vicker staff. Should win it. Why should Monty win it? Like his team was so good. They were like in the finals last year. That, that, that doesn't make sense to me. It should be that, like, we're, if we're talking about leaps and bounds of an improvement here, not just consistency throughout the year, this is why I think it's weird that Coach Nurse isn't in the conversation. And someone like Monty is. I'm not taking away from Monty. Your team is good. Your team has been good. The Raptors sucked last year. They were the worst. They really were. <laughs> and now look at them. So I just think that should be celebrated. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. No, it, and it's a good point. It's just I, I, I don't like how this award often – turns into the coach of the most improved team, right? Because it is coach of the year, like MVP, like it, it should go to the best coach, the, best, the coach yeah. that ha had the biggest impact on, and, and, and in a lot, some cases that is the coach of the most improved team, but not every year. I think a lot of the time that it's it's like the buzzy team, the team that came out of nowhere that gets that credit. I, I think Monty Williams deserves a ton of credit for what he's done here. Chris Paul goes out. They had injuries early in the season. Devin Booker missed time. Aiton missed time. And they've just been so incredibly dominant, taking it to another level. And we've seen how, even though they were in the finals last year, we've seen how tough it is for young teams that made that push last year to sustain it with Atlanta, with New York. Um, so it is, I mean, listen, all of these awards this year are really, really tough. I think the only thing that we could sit here and say, okay, sixth man, probably Tyler Hero. Yeah. But outside of that, like, uh, Rookie of the Year is going to be close. Coach of the Year is going to be close. Uh, defensive MVP. Player of the Year is going to, yeah, I mean, and all NBA. We talk about Pascal Siakam, like, he is deserving. There is no question about that. But it's going to come down to the votes because there are a lot of guys that are deserving and narrowing it down to 15 players in a really deep league with a lot of star talent. 
Uh, it's going to be interesting. This is a fun time of the year. I love awards season. We're going to give out some Raptors awards later on in the show. Talk about the Raptors MVP, the Raptors Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but coming up after the break, we're going to do our final Kalos of the regular season. The final Kalos of the season. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to award the winner of the Kalos. We know who it is. Somebody has run away with this a little bit, but we'll give out our final points and uh, award the winner of that. We'll also take some questions from the listeners, open up the Raptors Beat mailbag. That's coming up. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Josh and Nikki with you. And Nikki, each week this season, we have awarded Kalo points to our top performers of the week. We've tracked those points throughout the season. 24 people in total have received points from us. I say people because it's not just players. We've given it to, I mean, just about everybody. The Raptor has points. Last week, uh, the firefighters at the uh, arena that put out the speaker fire got some points from me. Um, we've given up points to trainers and uh, just about everybody. But <laughs> yeah. we're going to finally award a winner of the Kalo this year. It's obviously a very prestigious award, fittingly named after the Groat, the greatest Raptor of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we do, let's give out our final Kalo points of the year. We'll start with our three points. Who you got this week? I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious answer. Uh, he's been a clear-cut force on this team for for a, a long stretch now. It's hard to remember the last time Pascal Siakam had a really bad game. I was looking at his game logs, and he had to, it was against Horn, the Hornets in Atlanta. Uh, but in his defense, those are both terrible games by the team. Um, I'm giving it to Pascal because he's been dominant on both sides of the ball. He's been a great leader. He's been healthy, Josh. Like, he hasn't shown any signs of fatigue or slowing down or any inconsistencies. He's just been so consistent. Uh, and, and I think, you know, he's he's ramping up at the right time as we head into the playoffs here. Uh, and he had just a, a great week, so he's going to get my three points. How about you? Coming off a game in which he, let's face it, carried the Raptors offensively yeah. in a night where no one could hit a shot. And Freddie was struggling until he hit that that dagger at the end of the game. But from by Pascal. the way, Pascal from Pascal, yeah. he set that yeah. <laughs> up. Uh, and, and, and I mean, these last couple weeks have been just a, a, a perfect example of, of the player that he's turned into from that 40 point game to a triple double to the other night, where, as you mentioned, he's making plays at the end of the game. He's carrying the offense and that's basically been the story all season long i i wrote about pascal and his case for all nba yesterday and one of the numbers as i was doing my research that really jumped out at me the raptors offensive rating their offensive efficiency with pascal on the floor this year 114.1 points per 100 possessions that would be tied with milwaukee for the fifth best offense in the NBA this season. Without him on the floor, they score 105.7 points per 100 possessions. That would be ranked 27th between Houston and Detroit, all the way at the bottom of the league. That's how much he's meant to this team offensively this year. So, yeah, he gets three points from me the this week as well. Um, two points. I'm going to go with 
I'm going to go with Thad Young. I, I gave him points okay. last week as yeah. well, but I, I just think he's been so crucial here down the stretch, exactly why the Raptors went out and, and traded for him. He's a glue guy. That's what he does, and that's why I think yeah. he's been at his best this year when he's been in starter-heavy lineups with the Raptors because he's out there, he's connecting the dots, right? Like, he's he was just dominating on the offensive glass the other day. He's making those hustle plays defensively. He's a really smart passer, too. I think yeah. that's an underrated part yeah. of his game. So I'm going to go two points to Thad Young. Yeah, and, you know, speaking to Thad and uh, to his teammates, it's not just what he does, of course, on the court, but it's off of it, right? He He's, as you said, connecting dots, but his leadership and how he's been able to help and guide guys like Precious, uh, Gary, and even OG, who's not so much a rookie but still a young guy, I think has been invaluable, and um, and we're starting to see it. And, yeah, he's such a glue guy and so important to this team. Uh, so for my two points, I appreciate your Thad. I, I, you know, I thought about that, but I'm going to give it to Scotty because when you were talking about Scotty Rookie of the Year earlier, just what he's been able to do uh, in, in this final stretch uh, of games here, as we get to the playoffs, you talked about the rookie wall. He hasn't shown it. There was, you know, earlier I, I would say he was showing some time, some signs of fatigue, but he's been able. He's just been so consistent as well. And when Scotty has like you know a 15 point night, we're just like ah oh, ho hum. You know, he, it was an off night for Scotty. But uh, what was it, against Atlanta? Was it 19 points, 14 rebounds, something ridiculous like that? And, and we've just yep. started. To, it's become normal. And I think we take it for granted. So but I'm not taking Scotty for granted. I don't think we do. I, I think we celebrate him. But he's going to get my uh, he's going to get my two points. And mainly because that now puts him in a tie uh, with Fred Van Vliet, <laughs> 37. So I wanted to give it to Scotty. I noticed that as well, and that's the reason why I'm not <laughs> going to give him my one point. I kind of like the idea of them finishing in a tie there for second place. I'm going to give my one point. I'm going to go off the board here a little bit. I'm going to say the Raptors organization and Raptors game ops specifically uh, for okay. the way they approached Kyle Lowry's return the other night. The video tribute was well done, well put together. Just overall, I thought, it, and and Kyle mentioned it after the game as well, just a really classy way to embrace a player that has meant so much to them to the city, yeah. to the fan base, the country over the last decade. The Kyle um, handled it really well as well, but good on the Raptors organization for that. that I, we haven't talked about it today, and, and obviously there, there's a lot to get to here in the show, but I did want to mention what a, what a special night that was for, for everybody involved in, in a year that's been so strange for a lot of reasons, especially in terms of like the home games at Scotiabank Arena. I mean, even as recently as that speaker fire in the arena evacuation, but obviously the attendance restrictions and, and um, not being in the arena at all last year, it was just so nice to have a, a night like that in celebration of Kyle Lowry. So kudos to the Raptors organization for um, making that happen. Yeah, it was a really special night. I don't think Danny Green is going to get the same kind of uh, love tonight when he gets his ring finally back at the Scotiabank uh, Arena, but it really was a special moment. And, and that embrace between Kyle and Masai at the end of the game was, I don't know, for me it was like a full circle moment. It was it was, it was a yep. beautiful thing to see. And, and with that being said, my one point, I'm going to go off board as well, and I'm going to give it to Masai um, just for, for his vision, his leadership, all the things, you know, not being in the playoffs last year, making the playoffs eight of the last nine years, uh, and just for having, you know, the cojones to 
to to see this team through and to put this team together and and just the organization, all the things. So Masai is getting my one point. So we're going to post the leaderboard, the Kalo leaderboard on, on Twitter at some point today. So you can see the now 25 people that have received votes this year. But the decisive winner of the Kalos this year, and it is a comeback victory because, as we know, he got off to a late start to the season, mm-hmm. not only in terms of games played, missing 11 of the first 13 games this season, but certainly a late start to the Kalos because we, we didn't give him a single point in probably the first month of the season. Fred Van Vliet got off to an early lead. Scotty Barnes was up there as well. We mentioned they finish in a tie for second with 37 points. But the winner is Pascal Siakam with 56 points. Again, mentioned this last week. I don't know where he's going to finish in all NBA voting. Hopefully he gets that recognition as well. But this award, I would think, is more prestigious than all NBA, right? Like this I, is going to – well, yeah. we'll, we'll have to get him some something, maybe like a, a hat or, or a T-shirt or, or something to commemorate this victory. <laughs> But the very prestigious Kalo Award this year goes to Pascal Siakam. Congratulations, Pascal. Yeah, I'm sure he's going he's gonna to relish this one. It is a, it is a career milestone <laughs> for Pascal. It really is. Let's get to a few questions before we take a break. Uh, Udav asks, how confident do you feel about Ken Birch and Precious Chua in a Joel Embiid matchup in a potential series against the 76ers. So we already talked about potentially going up against Philly. Would you feel confident in the Raptors to quasi-centers going into that matchup? I mean, listen, am I ever confident uh, going against Joel Embiid? Uh, no, but I, we, I wasn't, you know, how many years ago either when they did have a true center. So... Um, yeah, it, it is, of course, a bit concerning. He is the scoring leader for a reason. He is, you know, the MVP, I would argue, front runner uh, for a reason. But I, between Kem and Precious, as you know with the Raptors, it's never just about one person, right? It's, it's, they're going to tag team. They're going to triple. They're going to make life difficult for Joel Embiid. And we've seen them do that. We've seen them. They found a way or have found ways to frustrate Embiid. Um, and I'm, you're right. I'm still taking Philly if we had to choose uh, against Milwaukee or Boston for that reason, because they have found the recipe to success uh, to, to frustrate him. Um, what do you think? Yeah, like you said, I, I'm not so sure that it's about Precious and Kem specifically. I'm more looking at it as like, OK, I, I feel confident in Nick Nurse and I feel confident with this team's defense and their ability to slow down, I mean, basically anybody at this point, Embiid is tough, right? Like, yeah. the Raptors have had success against him before, but a lot of it was with Marc Gasol on the floor, Serge Ibaka, and, I mean, Joel Embiid is better now. He's a better player today than he was back in 2019. So at some point, you think, okay, well, he, he's probably going to figure the Raptors out. But, yeah, I, I mean, even this season, with Achua and, and Birch as the Raptors' centers, they gave Embiid a, a lot of trouble. It was one of Embiid's worst games of the season. Um, so how confident am I? Like, not super confident because I don't think you go into a series against any MVP candidate and say, okay, well, I feel good about this. But um, I think the Raptors are as as 
well-equipped as any team in the NBA to slow down a, a star player. I would say that about Giannis as well, right? Like, you're not going to yeah. stop Giannis. Yeah. Nobody's going to stop Giannis. But uh, right. I, I trust Nick Nurse to find a way to make things difficult on the other team's best player. Uh, Whitney asks, what's the best-case scenario for the playoffs, not just in terms of matchup, but also development experience for the younger guy? So I, I mentioned various scenarios earlier, like getting swept, not not a – great thing for anybody but it, it is a learning experience and something mm-hmm. that we know that this raptor the the previous raptors teams demar Derozan, kyle lowry those raptors teams took something from on the way to eventually winning a championship um is the best case scenario like do you do they have to go far do they have to go on a run is a seven game series like what 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 is this team going to get the most out of in terms of the postseason experience I, I agree. Obviously, getting swept, you don't want to have to go through that as a fan base, as an organization, uh, as the players. But you will learn from that. These guys will learn from that. And that's what the whole point of being in the playoffs is about, is to learn from it, the good and the bad, how to how to you know be in those moments. And, and like I said earlier, I think they're playing with house money, the fact that they're here and they're going to get this experience. Best case scenario, of course, would be you know to win a round. Like, I don't want to get in whether or not they're going to win the championship and all that. I don't think that's what it's about right now. I think it's just them getting some playoff experience uh, for the coaching staff as well to, to be back in that and in, in those moments and everyone to, you know, test their chops. And for me, that's, that's, that's a win. That's, that's all it's about. I'd rather they not, uh, you know, uh, be swept obviously, but I think anything that they can take away from just being there is, is a win. What about you? Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me before the season started, I'm pretty sure we would have talked about this before the season started. What makes a, what would make a successful season for the Raptors this year? I wouldn't have mentioned playoffs probably at all. I mean, obviously, making the Play playoffs it. would have been <laughs> would have been important. But I, I wouldn't have meant I would have been like, okay, well, they need to win a round in order for this to be a successful season. That wasn't on the radar at all. Mm-hmm. The things mm-hmm. I would have mentioned before the season. Um, Scotty Barnes has to have a, a really good rookie season. We have to see that growth and development from him for this to be a successful season. Pascal Siakam has to get back to what he was doing pre-pandemic. Um, Fred Van Vliet has to take the next step. Um, we would have talked about Precious, and we would have talked about Gary Trent Jr. We would have talked about OG. Like You can check off basically all of those boxes. Scotty Barnes, if he's not the rookie of the year, he is... A, a star in the making, maybe a superstar in the making, and yep. he's going to be one of the best players in this really, really good draft class. That's a win. Pascal Siakam didn't just get back to where he was pre-pandemic. He's exceeded that level. That's a win. Fred Van Vliet is an all-star. That's a win. Precious Achua has been uh, incredible in the second half of the season relative to where Huge he was win. <laughs> before the all-star game. Big win. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that whatever happens from here, there is no question this is a successful season. Uh, we we already talked about a few of the guys that are worthy of winning some Raptors awards, but we're going to hand out some, some Raptors hardware, some team hardware coming up after the break. We're going to look ahead to Danny Green ring night. Oh, wing night. Ring night. Wing night. I Sorry, oh. I have wing night on my mind. It's Wings the um, Yeah, well... <laughs> And my fa- one of my favorite bands, too. <laughs> They're a 90s hip-hop 
Um, cover band. Okay, you're going deep now. So. Deep cuts. <laughs> <laughs> Ring night coming up after the break. We're gonna get into that. Um, so stay tuned. This is the Raptors beat. Crunch time on the Raptors beat. Josh and Nikki with you, and it's our last show of the regular season. In just a few days, we'll find out who the Raptors are facing, where they finish in the standings, and who they're facing in the first round. But before we get to that, look ahead to the playoffs, look ahead to tonight's game against Philadelphia, which could be a first-round preview, Mm -hmm. and Danny Green ring night. We're going to (laughs) hand out some Raptors awards and I don't think we have to bother with Rookie of the Year. I'm not giving it to Delano Banton. It's going to be Scotty Sorry. Barnes, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. Delano. Sorry, Justin Champagne. Uh, but <laughs> this is an interesting one. Who is the Raptors' most improved player this year? That is an interesting one. Because I would have said, I'm like, can you vote Scotty as most improved? Can a Rookie of the Year also be most improved? Because remember when he had like a zero shooting ceiling uh, when he was drafted? He's proved everybody wrong there. But I would, I'm going to give it to Precious. Um, I mean, the numbers speak for itself. The eyeball test speaks for itself. What he's been able to do post-All-Star game. Man, Josh, he was not very good at the start of the year. And his growth. His development uh, since then has just been exactly what it is. It's been the most improved player, in my opinion. Who gets it for you? Yeah, I mean, certainly in-season improvement, it's got to be precious. Uh, Pre-All-Star, 7.5 points per game, 42% shooting, 31% on 1.3 point attempts per game. Since the All-Star break, 12.2 points, 46% shooting, 38% on 3.7 point attempts that all-star break, uh, whatever he did, wherever he went on, on his vacation, <laughs> it worked wonders. He's been a different player ever since. In terms of season-to-season improvement, I'm going to give it to Gary Trent. He, yeah, he's been really, really solid pretty much from day one, right? Like It's crazy to think that he at one point this season was coming off the bench. He came off the bench behind Goran Dragic in the season opener and that was a short-lived situation for him because he earned his way into the starting lineup. He, he's been great ever since. Um, offensively, he's been a bit streaky, as most shooters are. Uh, but defensively, I think that's where he wins wins this award for me. Um, I believe he's third in the NBA in deflections per game sorry fourth yep. matisse thibel is third in the nba in deflections when we talk about philadelphia and, and that situation uh thibel's importance to them fred van Vliet, number two in the nba in deflections per game and we'll get to that in a second thibel three gary trent four so he's been really really good defensively uh, a fixture in that raptors starting five um, sixth man of the year for the Raptors. Uh, I gotta go, Chris Boucher. I gotta go, Chris Boucher. He 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 brings that energy. At, I wouldn't say every time. Like he did, you know, have a slow start to the season as well. Uh, but what he's been able to do when he got confident and comfortable in his role, not trying to do too much, not trying to have to force his shot and find other ways to impact the game other than the three ball that he found 
success with last season uh he didn't once he stopped relying on that so much and started doing like the little hustle plays and all the other things defensively um man he he has been a, a revelation i would say uh, uh for this team this year uh, as a sixth man so he gets my yeah. sixth man award how about you I, i've got i've got to agree i mean the raptors are our last in bench scoring their bench was a disaster for the first half of the season. But it's not necessarily about scoring. You want your bench, you want your second unit to come in and give you a lift to bring energy. And to me, the turning point in the season is when Boucher, as you mentioned, really just embraced that role of being the energy guy coming off the bench. One of my favorite things in a Raptors game is watching Boucher just bolt to the scores table, like runs to the bench. Usually Precious Achua is behind him, but he's like kind of like easing his way to the scores table. Boucher, just like like he shot out of a cannon, just yeah. runs to the scores table. But that to me, like that's that's the the mindset that he has of just coming into the game with that with that energy. Um and, and like I said, it, it really has given that that second unit a, a different look. Yeah. Combined with that that chemistry that he's built with uh, Precious Achua. And and he's like the skinniest guy on the team and leads the team in in charges. So that's worth something, especially now that Kyle Lowry's gone. uh, He's taken that mantle, which is impressive considering, well, you know, his stature and frame. So, Well, speaking of taking charges, who's your defensive player of the year for the Raptors? Uh, You know, I I hear what you're saying about Gary. That's a... But for me, it's got to be Freddie. I think Freddie's uh, t- tenacity is it's always evident, no matter if his shot's not falling or he's having a bad night. Defensively, he, he's able to bring it. He's been hampered, of course, with his, his knee injury, which has maybe cha- changed some of his numbers. But I just uh, he just, for me, brings it every night on the defensive end. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think we're in agreement here as well, like, OG Ananobi OG. In, in a healthier year, yeah. like if he gets an honor, honorable mention here because when he's on the floor, he, he's had an incredible defensive season. I also think Pascal Siakam, especially when you consider the amount of minutes he's playing and his workload offensively, he's been really good on defense. But I, I mean, Fred deserves some love in the all defense conversation for for what he's done this year. I mentioned it earlier, second in the NBA in deflections. He's got what what I like to call the quickest hands in the NBA. If you get cute with any kind of like sloppy, lazy passes around him, he's picking it off. Even if you don't like put the ball on the floor and there's a good chance that he's going to reach in there and get it. That's to me where the similarities with Kyle Lowry, like that's where I see it the most on defense where he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he's so smart and he's going to use any advantage he can find to get an edge on you there so Fred's my defensive player of the year for the Raptors very quickly and finally MVP Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam oh why are you making me choose I don't want to choose first half or second half <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm gonna go Pascal he's our, yeah he's our Kalo winner I've got to go Pascal yeah his on off numbers the impact that he's had especially as Fred has been dealing with this injury He's just been so incredibly consistent. You mentioned it yeah. earlier. I can't. The last bad game that he had, I think, was like was that Utah game, right? He had four points in that Utah game. I think oh, it was like was his awful. fifth or sixth game back yeah. from injury. And since then, he's been awesome pretty much every night. If not in the scoring department, then he, he's he's making plays as a passer. He's defending. He's 
rebounding ball, which has been huge for a team that's undersized. Um, I, I, I got to give it to Pascal. Danny Green getting his ring tonight. Finally. Finally. It's been two years, <laughs> nine months, 26 days since the Raptors won their championship. 899 days since the Raptors ring ceremony. 849 days since Kawhi Leonard got his ring, but after a series of unfortunate events, Danny's getting his ring tonight. It's As you mentioned earlier, it's not going to be Kyle Lowry's celebration, but it, it will be fun. Looking forward to that. At this time next week, we'll know who the Raptors are facing in the first round. We'll be able to preview their playoff series, and looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun run, however long it lasts. So yep. stay tuned next week. Looking forward to being back with you. On behalf of Chris Diavero back in studio, Nikki Reyes, thanks for listening.